Welcome to Dana Delivers by Aprio Podcast, the podcast that helps restaurant owners and operators learn from industry experts about trends and opportunities. On every episode, Dana Zukowski, the leader of Aprio's restaurant advisory team, explores a topic impacting our industry in a candid conversation. And now, let's hear what Dana is serving up on this episode. So today we have with us Kevin Burke, who's the managing director of Trinity Capital, which is a division of Citizens Financial Group. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Dana. So I always like to start off with my first time meeting people, but I think everyone who's listened to me speak before knows Kevin and I know each other a very long time. So one of my favorite memories really is when we decided to put together an event that happens every January, which now me and all my friends look forward to as our favorite day or two in Santa Monica. So we hope a lot of our listeners next year who are a part of this event, or a lot of our listeners come to the event and can't wait to tell you more about it. But Kevin, nothing makes me happier than talking to you about what's going on in the world and deal flow in the economy. So let's start a little bit with deals. Last year, we had more deals than we knew what to do with. We were doing diligence and quality of earnings reports and all that kind of good stuff. What's been going on in the last few months and what do you think is happening in the next few? Well, I think that the deal flow has slowed down a little bit. Um, It has not for us. So earlier this year, I was probably um, more biased at looking at our own calendar than looking at the industry. Um, And I thought we would be close to last year's performance but after looking at a quarter of data you know it has dropped off um and it's dropped off for a couple reasons one is i think you know there's been some challenge performance uh interest rates are up inflation's up uh oil prices are way up uh there's there's crop issues um uh the ukraine war has really changed the the landscape a little bit because um you know fertilizers and chemicals used in the ag business about 20% of that stuff comes from Russia. And although we're letting the Russians sell oil uh, so that they don't starve and so that Western Europe doesn't freeze, we are not letting them sell fertilizer and other stuff. So we're trying to yeah. we're trying to put heat on their economy. And that's really going to affect the restaurant industry uh, later this year after we have you know harvest. So I, I think that deal flow will be um, fairly... Uh, challenged uh, in the second half of the year, I think, by sell-off in the stock market um, and the other things I mentioned. Um, and I think that the the cure for that will, will be when we stabilize labor markets and when we've wrung all the inflation out of the marketplace and uh, we can get back into you know growth mode. Right. And you've lived in other inflationary periods. How do you think this compares? And I think a lot of our listeners, you know, are some of their first inflationary periods as adults. So what do you think in this compared to what has happened before in your lifetime? And how do you think it ends? Yeah, you make a really good point, Dana. Um, Most people haven't seen this inflation because going back to Alan Greenspan, um, everybody after the Paul Volcker era, era was very, very alert and sensitized to inflation. And so they've always really raised interest rates before we had any inflation. And that really kind of nipped it in the bud very successfully a number of times over the last, say, 30 years. Um, this time, we didn't start reacting to inflation until it got 
pretty bad. What caused this inflation initially was runaway stimulus. Uh, right. We did about $10 trillion of stimulus for, for COVID and, and related items and trying to jumpstart the economy. And, and so that obviously put a lot of dollars in a lot of hands and, and you know, $10 trillion in a $22 trillion economy is a, a lot, lot of money. money. Stimulus. It's so that money is still sloshing around now. There's still PPP money on balance sheets of restaurant companies, and so you know that has made things more expensive. Um, the I, I think that the uh, the one another thing that's unique about the inflation we have now is some of it also is is to do with Ukraine. I mean, obviously, the Russians uh, produce a lot of natural resources, and we're stopping all of that from sale except oil and gas. Um, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, fertilizer and chemicals used for that. Um, so I, I think that that is, um, you know, that's a binary issue. As soon as we can sit down with the Russians and figure something out, um, the better. Because as this war lingers on, the United States is spending billions and billions of dollars on armaments. They've told us around 40 billion, but we don't know what they didn't tell us and what, you know, you know, intelligence agencies and others are doing for Ukraine. I mean, I don't know any of this stuff, but I imagine that we're spending a lot more money than we're disclosing. And and so that is, you know, added pressure because, you know, even more government spending. Okay. No, I mean, again, these are, things are just crazy. And I think, again, it's a lot of the people who are making decisions have, you know, we're all just going to wait and see, I guess, what happens here. What do you think about what's going in on in the stock market. I follow it closely and we've had these conversations about it in the past. What do you think is going to happen there? Okay. Uh, Sorry, corporate yeah. earnings corporate earnings are actually up three cents on the year. I think uh, S&P started out at, uh, at $2.25 and now it's $2.28, I believe. So, you know, earnings are up. Um, in, inflation is up, of course, but Interest rates have come up a little bit, um, but the environment isn't as bad as the market. I mean, the market has sold off something like 17% year to date, and there's really no rationale for that. Um, I mean, people are nervous about Ukraine, nervous about oil prices, nervous about inflation, nervous about interest rates, nervous about an administration that has really championed reaching across the aisle, but has yet to do it. And so people think that we have political gridlock. And so I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is, you know, if the if the election this fall changes the house, you know, we're going to have probably two years of more gridlock. And some people think that's a good thing because if the government can't do anything, they can't hurt us or hurt the economy. But, you know, other people think that, you know, we really need to have some intelligent government policy in the midst of all the challenges we've got right now. And so, you know, we had a first quarter decline in GNP that may get revised to like flat. But the fact that we had a decline at all, even in the preliminary numbers, uh, is not good news. We had a 50 basis point increase in interest rates, the highest in 20 years. That kind of got a lot of people's attention. Uh, China is closing down all kinds of cities to prevent the spread of COVID, which is stopping manufacturing and stopping manufactured goods that are already made from getting to port to you know, be sold abroad. And you know the dollar's up 6% on the year, inflation's running 8%. So all these things, combined to make people nervous, not for any grounded single reason, but in a, as a compendium of events, they've got people nervous. And so people are, you know, liquidating stock positions um, 
And unfortunately, the bond market has sold off as well. So there's a lot of investment portfolios really gotten pretty beat up this year, you know, 17% in equities and, uh, you know, a couple, three, five points in, in, uh, in fixed income, depending upon, you know, what you hold. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a lot, a lot of money out there. A lot of changes yes. that are not always great. Um, so back to restaurant franchise and the world that we spend most of our time in. Deals are up. You're doing them mostly on the franchise brands. Are there anything that trends you're seeing as far as what brands are selling more that you could share with us or multiples that have changed? You know, obviously we know during the COVID period, you needed the to-go, you needed a drive-through, you wanted the end cap, you wanted all that stuff. Now that the world, at least here, is opening up, what are you seeing now? Well, we like to look at the bellwether, you know, the the bellwether brands mm -hmm. and and um, and the champion brands. The champion brands being, uh, uh, you know, Chipotle and Starbucks and and uh, Chick Fil A, uh, Dunkin' Brands, Taco Bell. You know, we like to see what they're doing um, and use that as a little bit of a barometer for how the industry is doing. The industry is um, we. Pricing is way up. People have been very aggressive in taking pricing. And to the point where I would caution them that if you bring your pricing in QSR world up to 10%, then you may have a little challenge raising it if you, you know, in the next round of labor. So I would just be very, very thoughtful about what you raise and how you raise it because you can't really lower it as we know in this industry. And if you raise it and hurt traffic, it can be a prolonged spiral, and, I, and I'd, I'd caution people to look very carefully at at pricing rubrics and pricing services like RMS or what have you, and really be thoughtful about what you do with pricing. Um, so, you know, the industry is um, is up a little, around two point six percent. That's all of it is price. Um, I think that you know labor's continued to be a challenge. So is cost of goods sold. Um, and I don't think there's any near-term relief for that. Um, margins are about two to three percent down on top of flat to sales being up maybe two and a half. Um, borrowing costs are up, you know, between one and a half and two and a half percent, depending upon credit quality and amounts of leverage. So there are some costs that have gone up. Um, in terms of the, you know, QSR is up uh, about two and a half percent. Uh, chicken is down, coffee is up, burgers are about flat, uh, pizza is down, Domino's is down. Domino's is one of those bellwether brands. It's shocking to see them down. They're down for the first time in 40 quarters. So, wow. yeah, I think there is, you know, there has been some, uh, uh, you know, signs. Are, of, you, are they down normalized or like they're down for the quarter because they've been so high because of the COVID spike? Well, in your opinion. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's not my opinion. It's actually the numbers. I mean, look, they did well during COVID and being down a couple percent is not the end of the world, but it is shocking to hear that Domino's is down. Right. And, um, but you know, one thing I will say is that, you know, in this industry, we've got to take a step back and be a little introspective. You know, there was a thing, I think in Nation's Restaurant News recently that it pointed out, uh, or it might've been Franchise Times, pointed out that, Chick-fil-A standalone locations, which is the bulk of their locations, you know, 90%, uh -huh. were, um, had achieved an average unit volume of $8 million last year, which wow. is two and a half times McDonald's. And, 
And I just want to point out to operators, you know, that they do this without any special magic. I mean, they're closed on Sundays, which is arguably, you know, 17, 18, 19% of a week's gross for most chains. And, you know, they, they really have, you know, they, they share the wealth. Uh, they have incredible customer service. There's things they're doing that allow them to get to these numbers that are, you know, un, untouchable by the rest of the industry. And I, I would, you know, implore people to take a look at what they're doing that you could copy, what they're doing that may help, you know, advance, you know, average unit buying for other brands, because, you know, that's a real runaway horse in the Kentucky Derby, if you will, to be at 8 million and the next highest is McDonald's at, you know, 3.3, you know, for QSR. Wow. I didn't realize, I must've missed that statistic. That's incredible. $8 million for chicken. Well, to me, I'm, to me, it would make somebody be very uh, happy in the chicken space because it's possible with that product right. lineup and it should be encouraging, yeah. you know, but yeah, I, I just really invite people to take a look at what they're doing and see what they can learn from it because it's a, it's a spectacular achievement. For sure. And again, closed on Sunday. So imagine if they opened the next day. Yep. Crazy. Um, what are you seeing people doing? We know, like you said, it's up. we know cost of goods is going to keep going up for the foreseeable future. Anything you've seen out there that's been really smart? I know at the event back in January, people talked about some of the promotions they're doing where it's online only. So they're not necessarily out there to the public. So you have to use the app so they could be a little more strategic in what they offer and who they offer it to. I love that idea. Is there anything else that you guys are seeing in conversations with companies? Well, I think that um, there are there are some moves like that. I mean, I think that Chipotle about a year ago forced everyone to go to you know handheld ordering for takeout, and I think that's really a smart move. It forces people to uh, to have the app, to use the app, to know that it's exclusive for for delivery and carryout. And, um, and really you wanna get everybody on that platform because then they can just push a button two or three times and have food coming. And you know, generations X, Y, and Z really like that and will continue to like that in my opinion. And so if you wanna penetrate further into those demographics, you're gonna to have to go with what they like. And firms that are leaders like Chipotle are teaching the rest of the industry like, look, if you don't do this, you're not gonna have as much reach with customers. So. Um, I, I would also say that, you know, later in the year, I mean, I, I think that we should get some code, a little bit of um, relief from cost of goods sold. But right now what's going on is people are rotating crops to things that need less fertilizer or less chemicals, if you will. Um, um, and so right now we are we're planting 4% less corn. Doesn't sound like a lot, but corn is gigantic and 4% mm -hmm. is a major move and it's gonna send corn prices up. I mean, corn is used largely for sweetener, but it's also used for uh, feed and it's used for, you know, uh, consumption on the dinner table is the least use of it, but um, it, it, it will make a, it, it's making a big move. And, uh, and then, you know, also we have a drought. So the Russians have cut off about 20% of the fertilizer and chemicals, plus we have a drought. And so people are shifting around. They're planting more soy. Soy is gonna be up between four and 5%. Uh, wheat is the lowest planting, fifth lowest planting since 1919. So in wow. 123 years, we're fifth on the bottom in wheat plants. So, you know, bread prices are going to go up and there's no no question of that. 
And so we're going to have some things change around. But I do think that the compendium of um, of row crops and um, and grains uh, and proteins will get better toward the end of the year. We'll start to have some stabilization, some normalization as you know people get back to work. The supply chain gets going again, and we should have a little more normalcy, you know, toward the end of the year. But right now things are still high. Co-ops are still scratching their head on how to try to save money for you know, their restaurant uh, clientele. And um, and I think that the planting season, which is coming to an end here, um, is certainly spelled that there will be some sh continued shortages. Wow. Um, I think final words on anything you could think of, like what would you do different? Like in these businesses, like what would you, you own a franchise or you're looking to buy? What would... What would your word of advice be to someone listening right now? Well, if you're a franchise operator, uh, as a franchisee, I would encourage people to look for diversification because there are there are things where situations where the franchisor and the franchisee are doing a wonderful job, but they happen to be transacting in a product that has gone up. Like look at wings. Wings prices went crazy for a while and and that really hurt the wings community uh, uh, subset of the chicken sector um that's improving dramatically now and there's a lot of happiness over that but i just give that as an example if you have you know that second that third that fourth brand as an operator it certainly gives you some diversity so that if something is down it's you know you take a little pain but it's not the end of the world um i would also say that um the you know the the industry is getting more complex you know you've got you know, LIBOR giving away to SOFR, SOFR rates up. There's a premium now on financing, uh, you know, for having term financing. Um, so the financing game is going to get a little more credit selective, a little more expensive. Um, and that is, you know, something that, that operators have to contend with. Um, we have all these, you know, crop issues and, and input issues on cost of goods sold. Labor markets, you know, it's, a, it's an election year. And I look for there to be some goodies and giveaways and loan forgiveness and, and minimum wage increases and anything that can buy votes, I think we'll start to see, uh, you know, toward the end of the summer. And, and you know, that makes it, you know, uh, a little bit challenging for operators. And, you know, we still have, you know, Me Too and Slip and Fall and late uh, Wage and Hour suits. And, you know, there's still a lot of litigation out there. So I think operators have their hands full. And I think that, you know, if we can get through the uh, get through the election and the and the labor shortage. Um, the Fed will cure the labor shortage with what they're doing now, uh, raising interest rates and trying to, um, uh, you know, sell off their bond portfolio. You know, take a little bit of liquidity out of the economy, which should you know cure the labor side. The other, the other end, the other end of supply chain is really going to, I think, be fixed more toward the end of the year and to next year, and hopefully next year will be a recovery year and not, you know, more of a continued uncertain environment. Uh, I do think we'll get in, in, uh, a little recession out of this, uh, any, anywhere from a little one, you know, three quarters. Uh, definition of recession is two negative quarters, but we could get, you know, three, four quarters of negative growth. And hopefully after that, we'll, you know, have some equilibrium stabilize and be back to growing. Okay, well, as always, Kevin, great insights. So thank you again for joining today, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Dana. So nice talking to you. 
Thank you to all of our listeners to the Dana Delivers by Apio podcast. If you like today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Dana Delivers brought to you by Aprio, a premier accounting and business advisory firm with offices across the U.S. and clients around the globe.